filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions serving Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They handle employment issues including wrongful termination, wage disputes, discrimination, equal employment opportunity matters, and more. They also handle civil rights litigation, defamation, and general litigation. For a free consultation, visit EhrlichLawOffice.com slash filibuster. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United and Judging Ben Bromley podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined, of course, by Ben Bromley and Jason Anderson. We're all from blackandredunited.com, where we write about soccer and soccer things. Tonight, we're talking about DC United and Major League Soccer, and we're going to answer your questions in the Twitter box. Uh, we've got jerseys to talk about. We've got preseason to talk about. Before we do anything, though, Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I kept it extremely simple tonight. Uh, I was thinking about having uh, some of this for most of the weekend and just not getting around to it. Um, so I just have uh, Technico Tequila Añejo. Uh, neat. That's it. Nice. It's uh, it's still excellent. Yes, Technico and Rudo are both, they're the same brand and they do six luchador varieties. Um, so they've got a Blanco, a, um, now I'm going blank because I'm Reposado. turning into an idiot, a Reposado, and an Añejo. Um, so... Every everyone I've had so far has been far beyond. Please, please sponsor us is what I'm saying. Rudo uh, Technico Tequila. Um, I will totally keep talking about your tequila every week if possible. Well, they're not going to spot pay us if you you know give it away for free, dude. I don't I don't talk about them every week, but I could change that. Okay, fair. <laughs> All right, there's the pitch right there. Uh, I'm drinking an Aurora cocktail tonight. Um, okay. It is cognac and rye whiskey with a little bit of Saint and uh, an absinthe rinse and some uh, Angostura bitters in there. The absinthe rinse. Can I... It's just, you just coat the glass and you dump it out and it just, I mean, you're wasting, you're wasting a quarter of an ounce of absinthe, which you're not going to drink otherwise. I mean, it's not bad except in anything but very tiny doses. Coating a glass with it like you do with an Aurora or for a Sazerac cocktail is... To my mind, the highest and best use of absinthe. I'm never going to be one to drip it over a sugar cube. That's not really my my style. I I do not. If someone wants to give me one, I will do that on the podcast sometime just to have an absinthe spoon. But I'm not going to go out and buy myself one. We First of all, before I get into an absinthe story, um, we talked about uh, the day to unite and the possibility of being purchased uh, or being handed 12 Manhattans and I would drink them. And I was given zero Manhattans. I wasn't even offered a Manhattan by a single human being. I, by the way, they were old fashions. They were not Manhattans. That's right. That's right. I'm sorry. Somebody, yeah. I thought you might be drinking an old fashioned tonight because of that. Literally, either way, I did have uh, one person I know from hanging out at RFK offered to buy me a drink, but it was not, he doesn't listen to the podcast, I don't think, it was not a Manhattan or an Old Fashioned or anything else, I think he was going to buy me a beer. But in any case, the absent story, um, my roommate had been in Spain uh, for, he did a, a year in Spain during college, and he had... Um, Always wanted to get the genuine absinthe with the wormwood that makes you hallucinate or what have you. Um, and when he got back to the U.S., he realized he couldn't buy it. That that kind was outlawed at the time. I think – I don't know if it still is or not because I don't really drink absinthe. Um, but he got a hold of a bottle of absinthe and he was all excited about it. He said it was the genuine article um, 
with the wormwood and all that. And we were like, all right, we'll set a date and we'll get drunk on absinthe. And we aren't even going to go anywhere because we, we don't, we're already like towing the line of getting ourselves in trouble when we go out normally add absinthe to that. And we're definitely going to end up in jail or dead. Um, so he made some absinthe and he said that he was doing it the traditional way. And I'm pretty sure he wasn't. Um, I'm pretty sure that he was misusing the absinthe spoon and there was some sort of confusion. Um, but none of us liked it. It was unpleasant. Um, but none of us wanted to complain because he'd gone through all this trouble and had been talking it up for a while. And and he was like, do you guys want another round? And we didn't want to be rude, so I was like, yeah, sure. Um, and it come to find out later, he didn't. He was also not enjoying it. Um, but he didn't <laughs> want to be rude and not offer us any. So everyone was unhappy, um, but was still like, sure, I'll have some more of this thing that I don't want. Um, and he was in there making drinks. And then later we found out that we hadn't even been doing it correctly anyway. And it ended up not being the... Uh, the fun and reckless night uh, following the green fairy that we thought it was going to be. It was just sitting around being unhappy and drinking a thing that none of us was enjoying. Absinthe. So are you saying that you would drink absinthe with an absinthe spoon if someone were to provide them to us? Are we talking about a sponsor? Because then the answer is yes. A sponsor or a listener. If a listener just donates three absinthe spoons to the yeah, podcast. If someone, if someone went out of their way to give us something, then I guess I, I would... I would also follow through while complaining, though. I would I would do it, but I would be unhappy about it. <laughs> it would be a continuation sponsor, of your, I'm someone, doing this just to be polite. Yes, but if someone wants to send us money, then I will talk about how great Absinthe is, I guess. Even having gone on the record is not liking it. Filibuster, the co- totally for sale podcast. <laughs> hey guys, DC United played a playoff, uh, or preseason game. A playoff game. I mean, th- some preseason tournaments do give out trophies, and they're pretty silly. Um, this was not one of them. DC United played a preseason game that was actually available online for people to see, and there's actual video of actual soccer. So let's talk about it. DC United wrapped up their first phase of the 2017 preseason, beating Jan Kompings. Did I pronounce that right? Jan Kompings? I think you added an M the first time, and then you took it out the second time. Okay. Possibly. Jay Sodra, as as we like to call them. Uh, DC United beat the team 3-2. to Um to, to end their first Florida trip of this preseason. It was 2 nothing after halftime when the first unit came off. Goals from Marcelo and Lucho Acosta, um, which were, they, they both looked well taken. Um, they were both off of semi-clearances, I guess you would say, or semi-interventions by the, the defense. Marcelo's was off a, a partially cleared header, and uh, Lucho's was a 1-2 that the defender stepped into and provided the the two part of the one two and Acosta chipped the keeper from close range. It was there's video of both goals and they were both very well taken. I thought Um, what I want to actually talk about from this game are a couple of the lineup choices in that first half um, and, and whether they are an indication of things to come because these are, these are some of the big, I think questions about the roster, not the roster, but who's going to be in the lineup come uh, March 4th against Philly and starting at the back line, uh, Bobby Boswell was out for this one. Uh, he came in in the second half with the second unit, but Sean Franklin was at center back. Nick DeLeon was at right back um, with Kemp and Birnbaum filling out that back line. Jason, do you think that there's a chance that that is going to be what we see in on opening day? Uh, at this point, sure, there's a chance. I mean, the Franklin at center back thing hasn't gone away yet, so you have to start uh, treating it with a little more credibility than... When it was just off-season chatter, it, there was nothing tangible about it. Now, um, we've seen it happen more than once, and this in this case, the rest of the group that was starting that game was who would start if they had to play a game tomorrow. Um, 
So you have to assume that um, it's at least under strong consideration. Um, and if Franklin is in the middle, if, if he starts there over Boswell, then um, De Leon at this point is probably ahead of uh, Oduyachim, who also had picked up an injury a couple days before this game. Not a, not a major injury. Um, I think if this were the regular season, he would still be in contention to play. It's one of those kind of things. Um, but yeah, I think there's a significant chance that that's what's going to happen, which means um, United adds a little more speed and athleticism at center back, but they lose some size. Uh, they lose a lot of experience uh, that Fr- I mean, Franklin has one season playing center back, whereas Boswell has been in the league longer than Franklin and has played no other positions but center back. And uh, the occasional five to ten minutes of playing up front uh, for, uh, I think, both for D.C. and in Houston that happened as well um, during emergencies. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, he also spent a lot of time in games pretending to be a midfielder. Sure. There's the like once every two or three games where he makes that run through the middle. And last year we had the, um, the, uh, the, run up the one wing. moment when he yes, was a his, winger. Yes. Yeah. His, his, uh, his pretend, uh, his, his chance to be a successful winger, which really should have ended in a goal. Um, yeah, that was a great cross. Right. And it was yeah. the thing about it too. I think I said this at the time, this was, this was what the, the regular season home finale, I think, I think so, or, yeah. or it was very late in the season. Um, and he makes this fantastic run off the back shoulder of the defender. It was it was a great outside forwards run um, right. from Boswell, and then the cross was perfect too. And then Burnbaum, if it had been to Burnbaum's head, I think he might have buried it, but it was to his feet. So, uh, but yeah, I think I think the the issue I think in this game wasn't so much that it was a different look in defense; it was that they didn't have anything to do. Um, mm-hmm. I think United in the midfield dictated the play enough and and the game was sort of played at a slow tempo for a while um there weren't many shots either way it was a lot of uh both teams trying to possess united tried to high press um to you know not it wasn't unsuccessful but to soldier's credit they managed to not really give away very much in those moments um and so the game was kind of a stalemate outside of the goals um i thought united had the better of it but there weren't a ton of chances there wasn't a lot of defending for united to do so that's a good sign that in possession that that back four was will or was able to uh, to not have any issues that in that side of things. Um, I think if Franklin is playing, one thing that's coming to mind right now is that a lament about Boswell has been that he goes to long balls a little too quickly. Um, Franklin is definitely more comfortable with the ball at his feet and more comfortable playing a pass uh, under a little pressure than Boswell. So that might be part of the issue here. Is is just a an attempt to get. Um, a slightly better passing group on the field. Um, but yeah, I will say I, I that think... Boswell did better after the formation switch and the almost almost a mentality switch. He did do a right. lot better. Sure, that aspect about being not so quick to send the ball long. Yeah, and and maybe this isn't you know trying to build on that and saying you know, like that was good, but if we can get another passer in there, it might be even better. Um, which would also bode well for someone like Jalen Robinson. Um who came out of the academy known as a, a pretty gifted passer for a defender. Um, but I, I, I don't think by any means that this is determined. I think it's still up in the air. Um, it's just been up in the air longer than we were expecting, I guess, is the best way to put it. Yeah, I agree. I think um, this first set of preseason games was really about trying things. And it, it's not quite, but almost a misnomer to say first unit and second unit, because there was always going to be a little bit of mixing happening there uh less so up front i think 
Although we saw Niarco come out with the second unit once, which I don't think is going to be the case. Right. Um, but, you know, trying different guys in different combinations and just to see what works because it's preseason. Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, um, that's the whole point. And it's early in preseason. So I think this next trip to Florida with the, the tournament in St. Pete is going to be um, much more indicative of what right. we could see come March 4th. Uh, that said, Ben, we saw a lot of Ian Harks in this preseason. Um and I think two of the three games he started with the the first unit uh, with Lucho Acosta and Marcelo Sarvas. And if there's a place you don't really want to be messing about uh, with with trying things that you have no intention of pursuing, uh, it would be the center of the park. And and so Ian Harks looks at the very least possibly the favorite to to start on March fourth. And I I know I'd like to see him. Uh, Olsen had nice thing, good things to say about him, saying that he's grown in every preseason game so far that he's appeared in. I certainly would like to see that continue, and I think a lot of United fans would as yet would as well. In the second half of the the preseason game against Jay Sodra, uh, United started well enough with Sebastian Latou finding the net after uh, uh, some, I guess, some good combination with with Jose Ortiz and and some others getting involved. The, the unit gave up a couple of goals late. They kind of switched off, it sounded like. Um, so it's, you know, in the end, it's a 3-2 to two win, but United was up 3-2, to two, or 3 to nothing rather, at one point. Um, Jason, anything you taking from the second half of this before we, we move on to talk about uh, the great trialist purge of 2017? Um, I thought things were going pretty well. I thought, I thought the, until they got that third goal that they were maybe a little more assertive. Um, I thought Jay Sodra was, uh, they changed some things. They got a little more fluid in their, uh, attack. Um, they became a lot more unpredictable, but United was handling it pretty well for a while there. Um, but once they got the third goal, I do think that they sort of, it, it, there was a certain amount of edge that was just lost in, in the game. Um, and granted the first goal, I think, um, or no, the second goal came on a, a little bit of a mix-up in the back between Klonowski and Opare, where um, there was a cross that was allowed to, that sort of ballooned up and was allowed to fall inside the box. Klonowski, it, it didn't seem like he called Opare off in time, so Opare was in his way. Um, he tried to claim it on the ground, and the ball managed to pop out um, between from between the two of them to the lurking... Uh, um, I think I looked up on their site, the guy's name was um, Osmundsen or something like that. Um, because there was no match report other than, I think they had like one tweet where they were like, oh yeah, by the way, this guy scored our goals. Um, but, uh, I thought overall, not bad. Um, Jared Jeffrey did, did himself no, no, uh, harm. He actually had the assist on Latou's goal. Um, after Ortiz had made the move, uh, there was a kind of a scramble in the area. They had blocked off the initial chance to score and Jeffrey had the, the intelligence just nod the ball to Latou and, kind of cut the goalkeeper and another defender out of the play, and Latou ended up just having to touch it past a field player standing on the line. Um, so that was, you know, that was good to see that he's not just, uh, you know, losing that spot without a fight. Um, that's important. Um, other than that, I think the main takeaway for me was just Ortiz looked pretty sharp. Um, his movement is really good. Um, that part I, I expected, but the, the hold-up play, the ability to play alone up front, um, is better than I was expecting, which is good news because United's going. You can't expect Patrick Mullins to play every second of the season. Um, Ortiz is going to have to play and play well when he steps in, so that's a good sign. Um, maybe the other thing that comes to mind now that I'm looking at the the lineup was 
and maybe as a good segue into that trialist segment is that uh, Maxime Tissot didn't necessarily play that well. He had a few giveaways, um, kind of getting caught a little forward. Um, part of that was just a few of those times he was caught forward because it was his turnover. So the turnover is really more of the problem. But um, definitely he looks like someone that still needs to have some work on the defensive side. He needs to be coached up a little bit. Um, but uh, as we're going to get into, that is something he's going to have a chance to do here. Yes, he is, because he is the lone remaining trialist. Well, he's not even a trialist anymore um, He that we know of. He has been reportedly offered a contract by DC United, um, and considering he played for Ottawa FC last year, Ottawa Fury, sorry, yes. uh, in the USL, uh, he, NASL, well, see, this is, this okay, is how yeah. much attention yeah, I, I paid. Yeah, they changed. All right, there you go. Uh, I think they're now the Montreal Impact affiliate because they got rid of their Impact 2 team. Yes, or, FC uh, Montreal. Yeah, see, uh, I, I really should have more details on lower division soccer, and I don't. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, Maxime Tissot, I can at least pronounce his name, uh, unlike Jay Sodra. Uh, he's been offered a contract by DC United. He looks likely to be backing up Taylor Kemp this year. I assume he's going to accept the contract offer. Um, even if it is for a relative pittance, uh, for a professional player, because he'll be back in MLS, which is probably better than NASL or USL, uh, from at least some players perspective. Um, Every other trialist uh, that was down in Florida with the team is now gone, released, including a, at least one guy who was part of the team last year. Uh, I'm talking about Charlie Horton, who joined the team from Leeds United last year. DC United actually traded a little bit of general allocation money to the New England Revolution for his rights. He never got above the third keeper spot. He spent some time down in Richmond, I think, um, and now he is a free agent. To, to go wherever he pleases. Um, he's joined by goalkeeper Matt Sanchez, who I think most people are hearing that name for the first time because no one really knew he was even on trial with the team. Uh, defenders Suli Denka, who was not offered a homegrown contract, and uh, Joe Vetley-Riemstad, who is United's third draft pick this year, also let loose along with uh, former United midfielder Kyle Porter, and probably Chris Korb, who wasn't on, wasn't down in Florida, but doesn't seem likely to be rejoining the team this year after, on his injury comeback attempt um, with the news of Tissot signing at his position and everything else with the team. Right. Um, I mean, the issue, I guess it wasn't very well communicated by, I mean, not just the team, but maybe us as well and, and other outlets, because it seemed like there was a lot of confusion about that um, with Horton. There was still, we still had people today talking after the news came out that he was cut from camp. They were still like, so is he not on the team now? Or what does that mean? Um, he, Horton was fighting for a contract rather than trying to keep his space. He, he was, his space was gone. He was trying to earn it back. He was sort of in the space that Corb was in. Um, or is in, I guess, theoretically. Well, I mean, I, his status has been that, you know, he's, his contract was over, um, and if he, at first it was, he was definitely going to be in preseason camp fighting for a spot, but now he wasn't at the first leg of camp. Uh, Olsen said, seemed to kind of indicate that there weren't any other trialists coming in. Um, so, who knows? Um, I mean, it, it, would, it would be good to see him get his shot to 
um, yeah. you know, make one last push for a spot on the roster. But, it, you know, he could also still be having knee complications um, given how long he was out. Um, so that's kind of an unknown. Um, but the fact that Tiso is being signed is certainly a, a strong indicator that mm-hmm. they're not looking for. Because at that point, you've got two left backs and at least three right backs if DeLeon, if you count DeLeon as part of that group. Um, so it's there's not really much room for Corb to ever play. I mean, you could sign him and hope that he regains some things in the during the season, but it seems like that would be kind of a difficult uh, thing to ask because once the season starts, your training is focused on matches. You're not focused on bringing someone up to speed anymore. That that this is that this is the time of year for that, not during the season. So, um, yeah, that one's that one's up in the air right now, definitely. Like Jason said, uh, Ben Olsen indicated that this is the group we're going to see head into the season. Um, there, there might be another trialist come in if some unbelievable opportunity comes across Dave Casper's desk. Otherwise, it looks like this is going to be the roster. And now the, uh, the challenge is to find that starting 11 for, for opening day and figure out what kind of rotation you're going to do at center back, if any, what kind of rotation you're going to do on the wings, at fullback, uh, anywhere that you have crazy depth forward even um how do you spell guys and do you want to spell them and who do you spell them with is is an issue that ben olsen is going to have to grapple with this season and it's a good problem to have and i think that's actually um my big big takeaway from preseason so far is compared to recent years where united were looking potentially for multiple contributing pieces still at this point of preseason Right now, we know basically who everyone on DC United's roster is going to be. We have a good idea who's going to start at almost every position. I feel like United is much more settled this year than they have been even last year when they had a a pretty solid core coming into preseason. I agree, and I I really hope the competition is real um, and that every player feels it because you're absolutely right. That was a great point that... uh, at least as long as we've been doing this podcast, United has been good when there's legitimate competition for starting spots, and they've been bad when there hasn't been. And there's there's a sliding scale, there's a gradient there, and it's um you know it's slid across that spectrum. And so I think that that's exactly right. And hopefully we're we're far at the end of the spectrum where there's really fierce competition for spots, uh, and that seems to be the case. And hopefully it it really is. Um, I'm trying to come up with a good fierce competition segue into two jerseys to say we'll be right back and it's not coming so i'm just gonna say stick around because we'll be right back to talk about mls jerseys this is filibuster the black and red united podcast hey ben um you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment would you you can tell Uh, me depends i mean well i should ask you i mean is our goats hostile uh, I think goats are are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. 
I'll fight my way through this. All right. Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. We're talking about jerseys here, uniforms, kits, strips, whatever you want to call them. Uh, MLS, before every season, just like every other league in the world, releases new jerseys. Um, MLS teams are on a an interesting kind of two-year cycle where one year some of them will release home jerseys, the others will release second jer- secondary jerseys, and then the next year they'll switch. So you're getting a new shirt from every team every year this year for DC United. It's their, their secondary kit that's being updated. Uh, some other teams are getting their primaries. Um, obviously Minnesota and Atlanta are getting two brand new jerseys because they are two brand new teams. Uh, so I, I figured before we get into any particular teams, I wanted to talk about some broader trends in MLS jerseys this year. And, and obviously not all of them are out yet. We've seen some of them officially, some of them in leaks, some of them we haven't seen at all yet. Um, we don't know anything about what they're doing. Um, but those that we've seen in various forms, um, one big trend this year, and it's an unfortunate one is boring ass white t-shirts. Mostly RSL. Mostly, mostly RSL, but also Montreal. Montreal, the only, like, they have a little gray triangle at the top, like, Mm -hmm. underneath the neck, and then they have some sublimated white stripes on a white shirt to mimic their their vertical bars. um, That's better than RSLs. Which is slightly better. But when you're watching on TV, the two teams are going to be indistinguishable. Like, they're not going to play each other in these jerseys, obviously. But if you're watching DC United play either Montreal or RSL at RFK Stadium you're going to have no idea which one it is based on what they're wearing. And they will be wearing all white. They could be the galaxy or the white caps for all you care. Oh, but the white caps gave us some weird, uh, confusing triangles for no good reason. They do have triangles. It's, it's kind of like sporting Casey's window pane home Jersey. It's just like this random kind of pattern that. Well, obviously, Obviously, the Vancouver Whitecaps are sponsored by the Illuminati, so that's why they have the random triangles. <laughs> I don't see an eye in in the little pyramids, if, but if they're sponsored by the Illuminati, they should be doing a lot better than missing the playoffs. Well, here's the thing about the well, Illuminati: I mean, they they haven't destroyed the world yet, so they're not doing their jobs either. Even Carl Robinson, uh, even the Illuminati can't paper over Carl Robinson. So, yeah, but if the Illuminati had any power of the Whitecaps, he'd be, he'd have been dead a long time ago. Um, I think Vancouver's triangles are supposed to mimic their logo, but I'm not totally sure because their logo is not only triangles pointing up, it's also triangles pointing down because they're mirrored on the water. It's mountains being mirrored on the water, which is funny because Whitecaps refers to waves and there are no waves in that jersey or in that logo. Anyway, I I digress. I feel like the Whitecaps have had very good uniforms for really their entire time in MLS. And then this year it looks like somebody applied a pattern to their jerseys for no good reason. I mean, granted 
the alternative, if you take those weird triangles away, is a white shirt with blue cuffs and stripes. Um, it's just a darker blue than the Montreal. Um, so that the pattern is something, but something isn't always better. Um, and in this case, I don't know that that's better. Um, I feel like maybe they would have been better off not doing anything at all to their existing jerseys. If nothing else, it provides them an advertising motif to use throughout the season. Is that triangles on everything. Equilateral triangles for everyone. I feel like we need fewer advertising motifs in our lives. I don't think you're going to be satisfied with the future. I know. What about brand narratives? <laughs> oh, man. Brand narratives brings me to the next trend, actually, which is Heather on shirt on jerseys. Um, and, and the reason I mentioned brand narratives is New York City Football Club. NYCFC has a new home, uh, yeah, new home jersey, I think. Yeah, a new home jersey that has a, a Heather pattern, which their marketing copy referred to as making the shirt more comfortable and also fitting to wear, what was it, from the streets to the stadium and back, um, which is so bad. That's bad copy. It, yeah, it, that just reminds it, me of the uh, uh, Carmen Sandiego theme song. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it. I know you wanted me to. I'm not going to do it. I I kind of enjoy the idea of NYCFC fans going from the streets to the stadium and then refusing to leave. Um, and <laughs> We're not going being, back. Right. Like, and that being part of the issue with security. Like, no, you have to go back. It's part of it, you know, the jersey you're wearing requires it. It was part of the when you bought the shirt, it was a contract. It was a binding contract. You have to leave the stadium. You have to go home or back to the streets, at least. Um, so you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Right. Uh, I mean, their jersey otherwise is pretty much the same as the last one. Yeah, they, they swapped short to it Sporting KC this year. Yeah. Um, last year, or the last two years, uh, NYC has had white shorts and Sporting has had navy blue shorts. This year they're switching. Right. So Yeah, so now I guess when you look at the two of them, NYCFC has light blue and navy blue as the, the accent color, and then Kansas City is now doing light blue with white as their accent color. The Kansas City jerseys also, their ad was pretty awesome. Um, Since we're talking about ads, the little photo that came with there is where it was several Kansas City players standing with clenched fists uh, staring at you, um, which is a great way to get people to buy your product is to have uh, several athletic men threatening you uh, or taking at least threatening body language towards you. Um, And I think, didn't the tagline for it, it was like a dumb tagline too. Um, yeah, I don't even remember it. Uh, I mean, basically, advertisers are bad. Um, another <laughs> complaint that's coming to mind is that Adidas is stealing the Nike for the last couple of years has been doing a thing with the national team where all the players have to do this dumb or a series of dumb poses where they're like pulling on the badge of the shirt or pointing at it as if you couldn't see it um, or something like that. And they've all been having to do it. And Adidas has started doing the exact same thing, like like down mm-hmm. to the last detail. It's straight up copying it. But it was a stupid thing. Like if someone's doing something stupid, don't copy them. Um, but Adidas went the other way, and they said, "Oh, that's a great idea, Nike. We're going to do exactly what you thought was a good idea." The sports shirt also has sublimated pinstripes, but only four of them um, on on the front of the shirt. They, a, a fold down white collar that looks a lot like a priest's collar, um, except it's white all the way around instead of just at the, the front the, of the neck. Uh, Where's the dumb brand explanation that tells us what these stripes symbolize? 
I I haven't seen it for them. I have deliberately got not looked at it, looked for the, it. The, they represent the uh, plains of both Missouri and Kansas, and the uh, waving uh, wheat fields thereupon. Uh, yeah, I was going to say I'll buy it. each each stripe represents one player's elbow that will crash into your face when you play Sporting Kansas City, uh, because Peter yep. Vermes wants his every game. You're guaranteed you at least four face. elbows. Um, um, I don't know why you wouldn't put something around the elbows then. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I mean, Adidas doesn't want to be too on the nose. I guess. Uh, I'm, we, we got into this discussion because of NYCFC's Heather pattern. They're not the only ones. I said this was a trend. The LA Galaxy new road jersey also has Heather. Um, Orlando City also has Heather. And the Chicago Fire's new road jersey has a, a Heather pattern. Theirs is gray. And it looks kind of like a White Sox road jersey from the 80s, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But eh, um, it's kind of bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's one I definitely like. I look at this jersey and it's kind of a mess visually, I think, is my problem is that there's like the Heather striped pattern that also is a stolen uh, Nike template that NWSL mm-hmm. fans probably saw a lot of last year. Um, and then on top of that, it's just we made it gray instead of white. Yeah, but that's still an improvement over just being white. I guess. Also, I just realized this. They move. Th- there's no jock tag on the the fire jersey. There's a Instead, little established. Something yeah, but it's on the side panel. It's not where right. the jock tag usually is. It's embroidered right on the like the side panel. So that's that's slightly different. I don't know if it's neither good or bad. It's just a thing. Um, gray jerseys, I guess, are are a third trend. We can talk about Chicago has that. Atlanta's road jerseys are also gray. And D.C. United, while having a white base, have a, a significant amount of various types of gray in their jersey as well. They have the uh, the breastplate, the, the chest abs, the eagle's wings, the turtle shell, whatever motif you want to call it's, it. Um, it's clearly is, the ribcage of a xenomorph from the Alien franchise. I can't believe no one is going with me on this. It's obvious. Um, but like think, everyone I've mentioned it to is just like gives me a blank look and then moves on. <laughs> Problem is with everyone else. It's not with me. Sorry, dude. What do you think of the jersey overall, though? We are a DC United podcast. We should talk about the new DC United look. Uh, I mean, I don't love it, um, but I also don't think it's as bad as some of the reactions, uh, which were basically that this shirt was bad enough that you have to burn your house down as a result of this shirt's existence. Um, I think that's a little bit much. Um, it's, it's not great. Uh, I think it's, I'm not a fan of gray being on the shirt. I like, I like my colors crisp when it comes to, uh, jerseys and, and things like that. I like the, you know, with DC's colors, it should be red and not like reddish or a gradient that turns into something else. Um, and with the, the white, you know, kind of fading into gray or gray fading into white. I, I don't, there's no place for gray on, on a DC shirt. I don't think that makes any sense. Um, but as far as just a visual of this is a sports team shirt, um, I don't mind it. It looks a lot like a cycling shirt, um, in person as well as in photos. Um, when people are wearing it, it definitely looks like a, a cycling shirt. Um, the little button on the collar, I, I wish that wasn't there. I'm not a fan of that in general. Just, uh, 
Adidas, if you're if you're listening to this and taking notes, that's something I'd like to not see uh, <laughs> on other jerseys as well as ours. Um, but overall, I, I don't mind. I don't mind the red sleeves uh, with the little black cuff. That's nice. Um, overall, I really. I mean, I know we complained about all white jerseys, and by removing the gray, I'm kind of obliging them to just give us a white jersey with red sleeves. But um, I also feel like DC kind of gets grandfathered in with a white. Uh, road jersey just because they've always had that um i was also thinking earlier um the reaction to this was very negative uh in a lot of quarters but i remember back in the day when the cat in the hat jersey was introduced and the reaction Mm -hmm. to that was i mean it was fewer people to react but it was definitely hostile because it wasn't even united colors it was a blue jersey with with red and white sleeves um it's a classic Right, and yet over time it became something that people actually want. People go on eBay looking for cat in the hat jerseys. Uh, if you're lucky enough to find one, usually they aren't in convenient sizes. They're like a small or a double XL, and there's no in between. Um, but uh, the point is that they're looked at fondly now, and I feel like this isn't going to be quite to that extent. But I do feel like over time people will not be so upset with this jersey. Uh, a couple of years ago when United came out with the, the red and white road jersey that they've used for two years, um, the team made clear that they were going to keep the, the home kit very iconic and pure and simple and black. And the, the road jersey they were going to take more risks with and be a little more avant-garde and a little bit more out there um, and, and particularly more modern with it. And I think that this... The, the home jersey we saw last year that will continue this year and this shirt uh, are, are proof that they meant what they said. Um, this is definitely a little bit out there. And I think given the rest of this year's crop of jerseys, there are a couple that are interesting, but by and large, a lot of them are boring. Even if they're not white, like they are just plain shirts. Some of them have a detail or two. This is something different. And at pinstripes, it struck me Um seeing a lot of the jerseys around it looks like something out of liga emekis it looks like something from mexico and not necessarily in a bad way their jerseys are are definitely more risk-taking than Mm. american jerseys tend to be america american jerseys tend more toward the the english style of simple tailored uh just one color shirts and in mexico they're they're much more daring the word that comes up a lot is clean. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing is that a lot of people now, if you refer to a jersey as clean, they get up like they're bored by it. Um, but it's it's kind of funny how it slices both ways. Like with this DC jersey, some of the same folks that I've heard talk about how they're bored by clean jerseys, quote on you know, square quotes on clean, um, were also very unhappy with this shirt. So I don't know at that point what what else is there to do. Like. It needs to be visually busy, but if it's too busy, then that's no good. But it can't be – you can't go back to clean because that's no good either. So there's like right. no, and there's no, there's no winning there's no with some set, There's no set line where it stops right. being clean and starts being good, and there's no other line where it stops being good and starts right. being too busy. It's, and when is clean different born? different for every single person. There are definitely some clean – like RSL's away jersey is clean because there's nothing on it. Yes. Um, there's no detail to it whatsoever. So that's a – I guess that that one we know, like that's definitely beyond one side of the line. It's just finding where the line is from there. Yeah, um, I think having having some 
I, I understand the people who say that there's too much going on in this. I think that this is going to be a good-looking shirt. I think it would look a lot better paired with red socks on the field because the shorts and socks are going to be white. Right. Um, I think red socks for this shirt would be just insanely improvement, an insane improvement on on what we have. Um, but I think it'll look fine on the field, and it'll look like DC United in its own right. way. I'm kind of jealous now that you mentioned socks. I'm also jealous. Uh, Montreal did get one thing right with their uniform, and it's the socks that came with yes. this. Um, the socks are fantastic on that, and if, yes. if they had um, gone with that inspiration for the rest of the uniform, they'd be in business. Um, and maybe that's yeah, something. They're blue and white hoops going up, and then they have the four, um, I guess, sigils from the, the Quebec provincial flag. Uh, on the front of the sock it's they're, they they're are really good socks. socks and i think maybe that's something that could have been improved because the the socks that were on the um the various mannequins that were around were just basically it's a white sock that says dcu on it um and that's pretty much it yeah there's some detail at the top which is which is yeah, okay it wasn't like much the, the stripes continue down from the side of the right the pants instead of being three white stripes or three stripes that go all the way around it's like three vertical red stripes on the side just for a little bit at the top and then a black hoop and then it's white from there on down um and if it had been exactly that same on the top but red going down i think it would be kind of a it it would definitely make it stand out a bit more ben looking around the league what jersey has caught your eye as the the best new release so far I mean, so far, the uh, home jerseys have been my favorites. Uh, the road jerseys, except for DC United's, have been really boring. Uh, I really liked uh, Portland's uh, green and gold uh, jersey. Uh, even just uh, Orlando's simple purple and white uh, yeah, is pretty good, too. I think that that proves something that or or is evidence in the column of something Jason was saying um, about about colors. You have these teams with iconic colors. Orlando is purple. D.C. United is black. Portland is green. Those teams can do really simple jerseys like that Portland jersey and that Orlando jersey. If they were white, they would be completely sleep inducing. But because they are a particular color scheme, they just scream that they are that team and right. in a way that works way better than a white road shirt does. Or even, I mean, Orlando or Houston has a, a new orange shirt with very thin blue pinstripe hoops on it. And it, I, we might all be bored by orange at this point, but that is a very dynamo shirt at the same time. Yeah. For some reason that one didn't, didn't, hit me in the same way as those other twos did i thought that one was still kind of boring i don't know why uh i'm just gonna be prejudiced against it because i want to be um but yeah i think home jerseys is where it's good to be stayed and uh uh conservative and you should be more ridiculous with your uh away jerseys and that's why i'm totally fine with DC United's away jersey because at least they are trying something and it isn't just a boring white shirt. Uh, so, yeah, why not try a a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles shirt for two years? That's fine. It's it's just They're an away wear it jersey. A half dozen times every year. That's right. It. And even though it's the away jersey 
against a number of teams, they're still going to wear the black jersey. They're not going to wear the white the uh, white jersey every time they're on the road. They're only going to wear it a subset of those times. Mo- by far, the most of the time, they're going to be wearing the black jersey. So why not try something weird and different? It's not going to be around that long. I'm totally fine with it. Jason, what... Which what strikes you as the best jersey to be released this year so far? Um, I've got to say I'm not really thrilled with the whole crop. I don't really think it's a very good group <laughs> of jerseys. Um, maybe Portland's. Um, I'm trying to bring it up now to make sure I've got the full image in my head. But um, Portland, you know, as you guys said, they can because they're one of the only teams with any green anywhere on their shirt. Um, they can just be green and be dominant. So the fact that it's green and there's not much else going on is okay because they're they're Portland. They're so, I mean, and it's not a crazy shade of green. It's a green that happens in nature, um, unlike <laughs> Seattle's green, which is... Uh, it's not super cyan. Right. It's not something that came from uh, the ooze in, since we've talked about the Ninja Turtles, um, it's not the ooze that you emerge out of and become a teenage mutant Ninja Turtle. Um, that one's pretty good. Um, I kind of like the Houston one. I know that one was kind of unpopular, but I thought the pinstripes were, um, I'm not just saying with Ben, I mean like other people also were negative towards it. I thought it looks nice. Um, it's, it's definitely, um, that's a pattern. A lot of other teams are following that pattern, but that's the only one with the, the horizontal pinstripes. So it stands out a little bit. Um, the rest of them, I mean, the Revs jersey I thought actually was was pretty inventive, even though I did prefer the the previous New England flag-inspired one where it was predominantly red. Um, this is still different. I can't think of the last time an MLS team had a 50-50 shirt like that, so that's um, something original. But mostly my reaction to these new jerseys has been that they are bad. Um, so I don't have a lot of positive things to say about any of them. New England is my favorite of the ones to be released so far officially um they do have that harlequin well it's not quite harlequin it's because the the both sleeves are white and then it's just half of the front of the the torso that's that's red i would have liked if they had made it a a proper harlequin by making the other sleeve red um but it's basically the look that i had asked for for dc united to have more or less coming into this year um where it's a red and white shirt predominantly uh, or red and white uniform predominantly. Um, I think they're going to have red shorts and white socks with that, which I think will look, it'll look good enough. Um, So I I think it's, it's way better than a white shirt, which is what their teaser indicated they would have. Um, But they added some visual interest. I like it better than their, their mostly red look from last year because there's no weird green collar on it uh which i don't think works that well with uh with red on on jerseys um the other one i really like that hasn't been officially released and there's one major quibble i have with it is the san jose earthquakes new shirt which takes the best part of their new logo which is that fault pattern um which is almost like a a herringbone giant herringbone style thing that they've used in a sublimated pattern on their jerseys and it just like blows it up a thousand times and puts it as a major pattern on the bottom half of the shirt. And I think it looks really good. And my quibble is that the shirts are now black and the pattern is blue instead of vice versa. 
uh, if they had made a blue shirt with that black earthquake fault line pattern, I think they would have among the best looking shirts in the league. Um, and that goes down to my, my opinion that San Jose should be blue, not black. Um, and they've gone back and forth a few times in, in recent years. And I, I wish they would pick a color and I wish that color would be blue. And I have friends in, who are from the South Bay who, who agree with me on that. Other end of the spectrum, Ben. Worst jerseys you've seen so far. You have to pick one. I'm not going to say jerseys. I'm going to say single worst release of 2017 so far. Atlanta because of their copy. <laughs> because of the, the advertising copy? Yes, and, and and just the uh the ridiculousness that surrounded the the release of their secondary jersey at halftime of a preseason game, and it just made it so ridiculous and overwrought that. Mm, yeah, a yeah. preseason game that wasn't even in the state of Georgia, by the way. Nope. It was in it was in Chattanooga. It was an away game. Yeah. Jason, single worst release so far. Um, let's see. Atlanta's definitely up there. Um, that it that jersey is not very good. Um, it looks like a team T-shirt rather than a jersey. Yeah. Um, it looks like like a T-shirt you could go buy at the team store for for thirty bucks rather than the jersey that your team plays in. Um, I at, at least of the official ones, um, the RSL away hasn't been I guess officially announced. That would yeah, be the that, worst I was just looking at that oh, was what awful. I was going to go with. Um, I'm asleep. I'm asleep. That one, that one has put me to sleep. <laughs> um, I guess to avoid going with something that is known but not official yet, I'll go with Kansas City. I don't like that jersey at all either. That thing is dumb. Um, the collar is like a half measure. Um, if you're going to do a collar, you might as well go all out. And it's this is this little tiny collar. Um, the stripes don't really add anything except to symbolize elbowing. Um, yeah, I think they took... I didn't really I, – Kansas City, I think, gets a lot of credit for jerseys that haven't been very good. Um, I thought their last home kit looked like a uh, tablecloth rather than like a jersey. Um, but they put Argyle on a, on a jersey. Yeah, I didn't like they that either. They put silver on white. Dumb. That was dumb too. It was All their jerseys looked dumb to me. Um, and this one, I guess, continues in that tradition though. Jason, you just don't get high fashion. Uh, I think the people of Kansas City don't get high fashion because <laughs> they keep turning out these terrible jerseys. Uh, for me, I think I would agree on, on sporting Kansas city, but I, I, like Ben mentioned the bad advertising copy and I I have to go back to NYCFC that in, in a time when ad copy is so bad, this just was so over the top that it it was almost performance art, but I'm assuming it wasn't intentional. So I have to just say it's bad. That's kind of keeping with NYCFC's way of doing everything. Um, that's true. So and it sounds way, like Atlanta. It is, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like Atlanta's trying to ape them and even one up them on that front. Yeah, maybe. Which it's a bold, bold strategy, Cotton. We'll see I, how it works out for them. I, I will throw in that we didn't mention the Galaxy jersey, but the Galaxy jersey is also no good. It's it's heather pattern. We mentioned yeah. that it has a heather pattern. It's all navy blue, like it's been. La- the last two years, they had the same kind of gradient line pattern that DC United had, but it was navy blue on navy blue. 
mm. instead of two different colors. So you couldn't really see it. And this has been their brand is they've been white and in recent years with a sash at home and navy blue on the road. And they they don't care to change that at all. Right. They also so, almost never, ever wear their away jersey. Yeah, I think they wear, they wear it even less. Yeah. yeah, they might wear You might see that thing three times this year. Yeah. So they, they don't put any effort into it at all. Which is funny. You'd think they would go really. If you only had something that you wore three times, you'd think you want to make it as interesting and as. But also, if you're the galaxy and you're all about um, signing players in part to sell shirts, you might want to make shirts that people would want to buy. But uh, I guess not. Maybe maybe there's maybe plain navy blue T-shirts are an underserved market in LA. Could be. I I don't know what they do out there. First question in the Twitter box tonight comes from Don, who is at SMC Ultra. And Jason, I think you're going to enjoy this one. And Ben, you're going to enjoy this one. And I am thoroughly not. He asks us at Filibuster DCU, what qualities would a goat need to possess to be a competent MLS left back? My first thought is the body of a human. But I, I think that's not the spirit of the question. So... We're going yeah, to go that's past not a that. goat anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure? What I mean, if it has the mind oh. and the spirit of a goat. Well, then you're getting into a goat man situation. And, and uh, as a Marylander who is familiar with the legend of goat man, um, I, I don't know how good of a version of goat man that is. I know that the half, like physically half man, half goat, uh, that is not, that's not going to make a good left back, but we're not even here to debate goat men. We're here to debate goats specifically. I mean, we're not I think, here to do uh, that. We're here, here to podcast about DC United. No, we're not. We're here to talk about <laughs> goats. I think, goats. I think. I think. I think a regular goat would be pretty good. I think it has a good bombing down the flank uh, ability. I think it has strong feet to whip in crosses, and I think the ankle biting ability of a of a goat would uh, be well blessed in the tradition of Ben Olsen or Richie Williams. So I don't really think of goats as running that much. They're good at climbing. They're good yeah, at being and, and headbutting, so they might be good on set pieces. Um, uh, what they, concerns me is the they, mental as long side as we're of not a, Yeah, I think as long as we're not talking about a fainting goat, which fall down yes, in a stiff... Don't be a fainting goat. That's not an ideal uh, left-back candidate. Um, but what, I think I think what, what I look for is a goat that has very good spatial awareness. Um <laughs> A good understanding of what people are, are up to, like uh, complicated plans. I mean, soccer is improvised, but you're building it off of a framework, and that's not something goats are used to. So you need a, a, a special goat in that department. Um, I think also maybe the discipline to stay focused and remember that you are playing a sport. You're not just wandering around eating grass and then, you know, going to sniff something. You have to stay on the field and continue to be, be a left back. You you don't get to leave uh, until you've been substituted. Um so there's a level of, of you'd need you'd need a, a pretty smart goat among amongst the world of goats. You would need one of the smarter goats. <laughs> our our next question is equally absurd. Comes from Jimmy R, longtime listener at nn underscore gooner on Twitter. He asks us at filibuster dcu. We know whose trials ended today, but which DC United player would be most successful in a criminal trial, and what role would they play? Uh, defense attorney, judge, prosecutor, bailiff, etc. I think instead of 
just answering that question well, on one level. I think what we are going to do is is cast the episode of Law and Order that with every character portrayed by somebody associated with DC United. So we we need the 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 de- two detectives who who investigate the crime. We need the the attorneys who prosecute it. We need a judge. We need uh, I guess a bailiff. A I defense, definitely needed much more preparation attorney. for this than I was given. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's that's the nature of Twitter box. So we're gonna we're gonna spitball this. Okay. Then we need to spitball fast. Uh let's go with Bobby Boswell, Nick DeLeon. As what? <laughs> You're just <laughs> listing names. <laughs> um no, I think Boswell makes a good um because those shows always have uh the older cop who wisecracks and then like the younger one who's a little more focused. So Boswell, I think, is the is a good wisecracking uh, older detective that shows uh-huh. up and, and gives the one-liner that allows the theme music to come in, um, which is a, a vital role in those shows. It's usually yes. that's usually the lead. Yeah, in a CSI lot of Miami also uses that. Um, I think oh, that's no, right. I think I think, I think almost you... all of them use that. It's not just yeah, CSI Miami. Like if you're doing a procedural yeah. and you don't have a guy uh, in his fifties giving a, a zinger then you haven't done your job that's like the whole show is the zinger right there that's fair and that's boswell and i i assume Burnbaum has to be his partner i would say the the second set of detectives then uh also old young would be marcello and and lucho acosta okay i, think I can those see two. that we're 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 um lucho's new to the force yeah, um he's the rookie yeah even though he's not actually that. a rookie um defense attorney who's who's the smooth talker on on the team Latou. <laughs> L- okay. Latou, who, who boswell said was was fluent in three languages but unable to be understood in any of them it was uh, boswell's <laughs> way of putting it during the preseason sounds um, like a good lawyer to me <laughs> that's not a bad point um i hmm I wonder. Um, I think I think Bill Hamid's the prosecutor. He's he's going to be fiery. He's going to get the jury amped up. You can't hold him back. Exactly. What about a, a judge or a bailiff? There, judge there are no bailiffs bailiff. on Law and Order. There are no there? real bailiffs. Fine. We'll 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 transition to night court and we'll get Biff. <laughs> Who's Biff? Uh, well, I mean, we've already used the largest players on the team uh, yeah. for the most part. I guess Kofi Opari is the only large man left, so it would have to be him, right? Klonofsky. Klon- yeah, that's true. He's yeah. even larger and has the shaved head. Um, there you go. Tra- All right. He's our Biff. Also, Travis Wara cool. is kind of like doofy and hilarious. Um, Let's see. We need a judge. As, yeah, judge is tough because we've we've used most of the senior players on the team at this point. I mean, um, I mean, the answer, the the obvious take would Sean be Ben Franklin. Olsen, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, he's the only other. Yeah, veteran. Sean Franklin, or you could go with. Let's see. Or uh, um, well, actually, you know, uh, you've got the winger cord. Chad um, Lloyd Sam could be the eccentric judge. Um, yeah, he's kind of out there, uh, but knows knows his law. Um, Chad has to keep Ben Olsen in line. Wait, what is what? What is Ben Olsen's role in all this? Is he a judge too? Like that was my take. Is he would ben, be the ben obvious. Is, is, is this the a panel card. of judges? Because that's a thing. Yeah, we can we can make this an appellate court. 
or uh, just that, you know a whole court system. Adam, it's good that your actual legal knowledge is coming in handy because I would be guessing that I know that in the world there are panels of judges. I was not sure where they show up in the U.S. <laughs> legal system. I knew they were out there, and it was possible that they were in American law, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. What about Talon? Uh, is he the expert in bird law? Well, I mean, we the guys from Open Wide for some soccer have linked uh, Ben Olsen to uh, Charlie Kelly, and that would make him the expert in bird law. Um, but perhaps uh, Talon, being a bird himself, might know a little more, uh, might have an advantage there. He doesn't speak that much, though, Talon. That's true. That's true. Um, I, I maybe this is a a bird law. Uh, it's a, it's a what am I looking for? It's it's an actual uh, partnership. It's not just uh, one lawyer that you hire for bird law. It's you get the whole firm, um, <laughs> and you know Talon might be the guy in the weeds doing the research, and, and maybe Olson brings it to court and is the the one that actually does the speaking. So we're talking like. Olson and Ashton LLP and Talon is the yes. the associate doing the grunt work. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. Okay. <laughs> in, in that we're talking about two soccer coaches and a mascot doing a legal work on bird law. And this Twitter box has been my nightmare. I tried to play along, but I can't anymore. It's done. You, you, you choose the questions. I, I Twitter chooses the questions. I get what I'm That's what I'm giving. That's not true at all. These are the only questions we received. Yes, <laughs> and they were out there, and Jason I'm, is very happy. I, yeah, anytime we get to talk about uh, whether a goat can play soccer or whether a mascot can can uh, serve as a lawyer, uh, that's that's good. I think that's a good thing. That's us giving the people what they want. It literally is. That's that that that's my excuse, Ben. I'm giving the people what they asked for, begrudgingly or otherwise. The people don't always know what they want. <laughs> this time they were very clear. These questions were abundantly clear about what they wanted uh, to know about. It's true. It's true. I think now, like Ben, I, I want to get out of here. So thank you all for listening. Find us at blackandredunited.com. Tweet us at filibusterdcu for the podcast, at blackandredu for the website. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, find us on out iTunes where you subscribe, subscribe on Stitcher or the podcatcher of your choice. Uh, we're on SoundCloud. Mostly though, tell a friend about the show. Um, that's the best way to spread the word. Uh, we will talk to you real soon for Jason and Ben. I'm Adam and, uh, yeah. Say goodbye, Jason. Bird law legally.